Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast, and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. I want to welcome you guys to Transformed Week number five. In this series, we've been talking about how God wants to transform our lives. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we've been talking about how God transforms all these different areas. And through this series, we're talking about how he wants to to transform our minds and transform our emotions and transform our finances and transform all the things in our life that God wants to do something in. Today, we're talking about how he wants to transform our relationships. And we're gonna go all the way back to the first relationship between mankind, Genesis chapter three, to talk about the relationship between Adam and Eve. And our subject is overcoming the fears that ruin our relationships. In Genesis 3, it says this, the woman, Eve, saw the tree that God told her not to eat from. She saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that she thought it would give to her. So she took some fruit from it and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Now check this out. At that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, they heard the Lord walking about in the garden. And so they decided they would hide from the Lord amongst the trees. And then the Lord called out to the man, where are you? And the man replied, well, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid, I was afraid because I was naked. We see that word fear coming in. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman that you gave me. It's her fault. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? And she said, well, the serpent deceived me. She blamed the serpent. That's why I ate it. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you'll give birth and you'll desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is now cursed because of you. All your life, you'll struggle to scratch a living from it. It'll grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you'll eat of its grains by the sweat of your brow, will you have the food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made? For you were made from dust. Until dust, you will return. Now we see the very first relationship has the very first conflict, the very first strife. I always wonder, what was it like in the days that followed getting removed from the Garden of Eden? How long was it before Adam and Eve got along again? I know sometimes me and my wife will get into a little bit of a disagreement and she'll give me the cold shoulder and I'll give her mine. And how long does it take us to rekindle our relationship? Imagine Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden, blaming each other, fighting each other, arguing with each other about whose fault it was, whose problem that it was. We know eventually they were able to work their issues out because they ended up having children, they ended up being together. They really had nobody else to turn to. It was just the two of them. We see from this passage that God created human beings with a need and a desire for relationship. We all want somebody to be our companion. We always are looking for somebody who we feel like might complete us or add something to our lives that we're missing. Human beings have the desire to be in a relationship with somebody else. You don't have to teach anybody this. It's instinctive. It's in our nature. Everything 
went well initially for the first man and woman because there was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no strife. And God said, the only boundary I'm giving you is don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the temptation was just too much. The deception of the devil, the lies, all of these things entered into mankind. And when that fruit was eaten by Eve and that fruit was eaten by Adam, we see all the struggle and strife that begins to come in and the reason why it makes relationships so difficult in the first place. We all desire relationships. And then once we get into a relationship, we experience the struggle of getting along with someone else, the struggle of companionship. And we wonder, how is this going to be a blessing to us? Today, we're talking about that. These are the things that you need to overcome. These are the ways your relationship needs to be transformed so that you can experience the best that God has for you. You know, anytime we allow sin to dominate our lives, we become driven by fear. We become driven by shame. We become driven by these things that bring hurt and harm to our emotions, to our relationships. And this is not what God wants for us. God wants to bless us. He wants our good. He wants us to experience the joy of relationships. But the only way we can do that is if we learn to overcome the fears that destroy and ruin our relationship. The first thing we learn from Adam and Eve's story are that relationships are harmed whenever we give in to sin and to fear. You know, Adam and Eve had a great scenario in which to build a thriving relationship. Nobody had to go to work. Nobody had to struggle. It was the perfect environment to create a situation where they should be able to get along. But in sin and the fear that followed, that brought difficulty and destruction. They blew it because they couldn't control their minds and they couldn't control their desires. Romans 5 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone because everyone sinned. It was at Adam's eating of this fruit that the sinful nature of mankind gave birth and has been passed down. The sinful nature is the thing within us that causes us to want to sin, to think about sin, and that corrupts us. You understand this if you've ever raised any children. You know when you're raising children, you don't have to teach them how to be bad. You have to teach them how to be good because their nature is to sin. They learn on their own how to be selfish, how to be manipulative, how to lie and deceive and to blame others and to be driven by fear and shame and all of these things. Adam and Eve compounded their problems by giving in to fear. It says that when Adam had eaten the fruit, he hid from the Lord. And when the Lord said, why are you hiding? He said, well, I heard you were coming and I was naked, so I was afraid. This fear becomes what drives us. So many of us in our lives are driven by the fear, especially in our relationship. But 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but he's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. And this spirit of God needs to direct and to dictate our relationships, especially the relationships with those we love the most, our intimate relationships. You know, fear hurts our relationships because fear... The fear of exposure, the fear of being found out, makes us distant from other people. It's interesting in this passage that they were naked all along, but when they ate of the fruit of the, knowledge of good, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's when they began to feel their nakedness, feel their exposure. That nakedness is a metaphor, it's a picture, it's a prefiguring, if you will, of how when we get into a relationship with someone, they know everything about us. They see everything about us. We're totally vulnerable. We're totally naked, if you will, before them. They see all the things in our lives. They see all of our positives. They see all of our negatives. They know the complete picture of who we are. 
in a relationship that begins to happen. Since we don't want others to see what we don't like about ourselves, we often keep people at a distance. We're so afraid that if somebody found out about us, if somebody knew the truth about us, then they wouldn't accept us. They wouldn't love us. They would reject us. They would push us away. And we're so afraid of that, that a lot of times people won't allow anybody else to get close to them. Other times we've allowed a person to get close to us, and then that person has hurt us. That person has used that against us. That person has taken advantage of us. Sometimes people have been cheated on or they've been uh, done wrong or they've been unfaithful towards. All of those things begin to make us go, well, I can't let anybody else get close to me. And we've got the devil coming along that wants to deceive us and lie us and to tell us that we can't let anybody else get close. Genesis 3 verses 8 through 10 says, They hid from the Lord among the trees, and the Lord called the man, Where are you? I heard you walking in the garden, Adam said, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. He's saying, man, I was afraid because I was exposed. I was afraid because somebody found me out. I was afraid because I was vulnerable. I was afraid because all of a sudden I was open and you could see everything that I was. Now, the truth is the Lord knew all that Adam was. The Lord knows everything about us. Nothing is, God doesn't find out anything. God knows everything. He knows everything was happening. Yet here we see Adam trying to hide because that fear of exposure created distance between him and the Lord. You know, in a healthy relationship, you should find acceptance. You should find a person that loves you for all that you are. Somebody asked me, you know, if, if Dana dies, my wife's name, Dana, if Dana dies, are you going to marry somebody else? I said, I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is because I don't want anybody else to find out all about me. It's so risky just to expose all that you are to somebody else and to find acceptance, to find a person who's not going to use it against you, to find a person who's not going to bring it back around and then try to use it as leverage later on. You know, most of us don't believe that we'll receive acceptance because the truth is we don't offer acceptance to others. When other people are exposed and vulnerable before us, if you're not willing to offer that person acceptance and love, unconditional love, 1 Corinthians 13 type of love that's patient and kind, that's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, that doesn't demand its own way, that's not irritable, that keeps no record of when it's been wronged. If you're not willing to offer that kind of love, then it puts you in a position where you don't expect to receive that kind of love. So this, this vulnerability, this exposure causes us so many issues. Fear always causes us to seek to hide from God, and it seeks us to hide from others, but we need to be exposed in order to experience transformation. God can't work on something until you make it available for him to work on, until you bring it before him and you lay it at your feet. God is not going to force himself on you, and so he needs for you to accept that you can be exposed before the Lord. And the truth is, before other people, you have to be vulnerable to those that you are closest and most intimate with. Not that we're vulnerable with everybody like that, but with the people we're closest to, we got to have that. You know, here's the problem that the fear of exposure causes. The fear of exposure causes us to be overwhelmed by shame. It says in verse 7 that they suddenly felt shame. I remember the first time I experienced shame. I was in the second grade and I put my lunch order in and I had ordered a sausage po' boy, a sausage sandwich. And when they brought in all the lunches, I thought I had ordered pizza. And so I said, hey, I ordered pizza and I ate the pizza. And the kid that ordered pizza, he didn't get the pizza and he didn't like sausage. So he was stuck without lunch. And I remember the teacher telling me in the second grade, you should feel ashamed of yourself for taking something that wasn't yours. And that feeling sat with me. 
And then later on as adult, I'm in a therapy session and I'm processing things in my life. And I remember this thing in the second grade, the first time I felt shame. Shame is like that. When you begin to experience shame for things that you've done and things that you felt, and things that you said, and ways that you've acted, and behaviors that you've put forth, that shame becomes like a prison. It's like luggage that you carry around. And God wants to deliver in the freest of that shame. And the reason why so many people are afraid of being exposed or being found out, or this fear is in their life, is because they really believe, man, if somebody else found out what really I was thinking, what really I was saying, what really I was doing, then man, there's no way they would accept me. And the devil loves to leverage that shame. That's called the accusation of the devil. You should be ashamed of yourself. When we have shame in our lives, we're easily embarrassed and we'll do almost anything in our life to avoid the embarrassment. Shame makes us nervous and it makes us more self-conscious. So many times we live our lives wanting to point out what everybody else is doing wrong. But when somebody else tries to point it out in us, that shame comes up. In this fear of exposure, it makes us distant because of that feeling of shame that God wants to deliver us from shame. God wants to free us of shame. God wants to liberate us of this shame. Our fear of exposure also causes us to try to cover up our sins. It says in verse 7, it says that they sowed fig leaves to try to cover themselves up. Man, isn't that what we do so much? When we've got sin in our lives, we try to hide it. We try to cover it up. We try to lie about it. We try to hide it. We try to minimize it. Oh, it's not that big a deal. We try to rationalize it. What well, is a reason why it happened? We try to redirect it. You go, yeah, I did that. But look at what this person did over here. All of us try to cover up the things that we've done. And when you get into an intimate relationship, you can't cover things up anymore. That person sees you. You're exposed. And if you've got this fear that drives you, this fear of exposure, then anytime they try to point something out in your life, you'll try to cover it up. Nobody loves me in my life more than my wife. She knows me deeply and intimately. She cares for me. Yet consistently, whenever she points out anything in my life that she feels like is wrong or I need to work on and change, I get uh, defensive. I start to build up my guard. I start to come back and attack. I try to say, no, there's no way that you're right. And she goes, you're not seeing things clearly. I said, well, no, you're not seeing things clearly. And it's really a person who loves me and cares about me. I got a blind spot, an area I need to work on. And we all need to understand that in a relationship for it to work, you got to stop trying to cover things up and accept that the other person might be able to see something in your life that you can't see. Our fear of exposure also causes us to distance ourselves from the Lord, from our Savior. It says in verse 8, not only did they feel shame, not only did they try to cover themselves up, then they, they hid from the Lord. What a silly thing that they did. Like God wasn't going to be able to find them. It's the first game of hide and seek, right? It's like all of a sudden, the Lord's not going to see where I'm at. I remember in my life, I had a, a one point and I was in my dad's office and he, he had this sign and it said, it said, uh, daddy's room. And I saw this sign and I looked up at it and God spoke to me and just said, just remember, everywhere you are, you're in daddy's room, the heavenly father's room. God sees all. God knows all. God knows all that we do. Yet we try to hide certain things from him. We think that in prayer or in confession or in repentance, we're telling God something he doesn't know. But the truth is God knows everything about us. He knows all the ways we fall short. He knows all the mistakes that we made. Not only does he know the things that we've done and the things that we've said, he knows the things that we thought but didn't do or didn't say. 
God sees everything about us. We often pull away from God when we're afraid of the consequences of our choices. In this fear, this distance it creates, when we pull away from God, when we pull away from others, when we're afraid that they're going to see us for who we are, it creates so many challenges and problems because this isn't the way God wants us to live. God wants us to live in a place where we can be honest and truthful and vulnerable while at the same time being loved and accepted and having people who care for us. Care for us enough to accept us how we are, but to care for us enough to want to see God transform us to make us who he really wants us to be. It's not just exposure. It's not just vulnerability. It's then the transformation that God uses. Fear also hurts our relationships because the fear of disapproval makes us defensive. Defeat and fear cause us to move from covering up to being defensive. Like I was talking about with my wife, we get defensive. Anytime somebody wants to point something out in us, we immediately want to justify ourselves. We immediately want to get argumentative with people. Genesis 3 says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. You know, when we get defensive, the truth is that it hurts us and it hurts the people that we love. In our defensiveness, we often say things we shouldn't say. We make choices we shouldn't make. We have explosions of anger. We feel justified in what we do. We refuse to apologize because we feel justified in our actions. It's interesting that Adam's response to the Lord is, don't be mad at me. It ain't my fault. This one wasn't on me. I just ate the fruit that, that the woman gave me, that you gave me. Not only did he blame Eve, he blamed the Lord. He said, man, if you wouldn't have gave me that woman, then the woman wouldn't have been able to give me the fruit. He puts it on the Lord like in some kind of way. This was on him. Adam was laying the blame for his failure on Eve, and he was laying it on God. And then it's interesting. The Lord then asked Eve, well, what have you done? And she blamed the serpent. Well, the serpent deceived me. Well, the devil made me do it. Oftentimes, we get defensive, and we want to point the finger at everybody else. But as I had one person say to me, every time you point one finger at somebody else, just remember, you got three more pointing at you. God said, why are you worried about taking the speck out of somebody else's eye when you got a log in your own? We've all got to let our defensiveness go down and our fear of other people disapproving of us causes our defensiveness to go up. And this is constantly what we're battling. The more critical a person is, the more you know they fear disapproval because what happens is they're so willing to be critical of others that they have that fear of anybody else being critical of them. And then fear hurts our relationships because the fear of losing control is what makes us demanding. As a result of their sin, Adam and Eve lost control of everything. And the more out of control we feel, the more controlling we become. It's interesting. The Lord says to Eve, you'll desire to control your husband, but your husband will rule over you. What he's laying the groundwork for is that in every intimate relationship, there's a battle for control. I've seen many couples come in for counseling or for guidance in their marriage, and you immediately see the battling for control. Who's in charge? You'll hear things like, you can't control me. You don't get to decide what I'm going to do. And they want to be an independent free agent. But the truth is, the Bible says when two people get married, the two become one. And when they become one, there's no conflict over who's in control. It's that desire to remain two when God has called us to become one that creates so many problems in our relationship. Adam and Eve's story is where the war of the sexes began. This constant bickering, this constant battling. And for so many people, they are so afraid of losing control. I was having this conversation about a married couple with one of our pastors, and they were talking about trying to go to dinner with him. And he said, every time the guy tried to talk, the woman would just come over the top of him. 
Anytime he tried to speak, the woman would come over the top of him. And it became very obvious and apparent that the root of a lot of their problems was that she had to control everything. Man, it doesn't just have to be from a woman to a man. There's many men who want to control the finances in their relationship. There's many people that want to control the conversations. There's people who want to control what we're watching on TV and what movies we're going to go see. A part of making a marriage work is the surrendering of control, not necessarily to the other person, but to the Lord. Does the Lord control your relationship? Is the Lord in charge? Is the Lord the author and the finisher of the marriage? Is the Lord the one who's leading everything? We must surrender control, and that requires for us to trust the Lord. Adam and Eve didn't trust the Lord. The Lord said, whatever you do, don't eat from this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because it will bring you problems, and they didn't trust that. They trusted in what the devil was saying, that they would have some type of enlightenment or some type of authority or some type of freedom or liberation if they ate from this fruit that God didn't want them to have. God wants our best. And part of being in a relationship is surrendering control, not just to each other, but control to the Lord. The second big thing we learn from Adam and Eve's story is that not only do fear and sin ruin relationships, relationships are also helped when we learn to live in God's love. First John chapter four says this, we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in God live in love and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Such love has no fear because God's perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for the fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced God's per perfect love. It's interesting. We see in the Genesis passage that it was fear and sin and shame that drove Adam and Eve away from each other and away from the Lord. And we see here in 1 John that what expels that love, what expels that fear is God's love. What expels that, that destruction is God's love. What expels that shame is God's love. And if we have fear and we have shame and we have sin, the issue is because we haven't fully understood God's love. The way you get rid of fear is not by saying, I'm not going to be afraid. The way you get uh, rid of fear is to fill yourself with the love of God so that there's no more room for fear and sin and shame in your life. We learn to live in God's love by constantly surrendering our heart to the Lord. You know, the closer we get to God, the more love fills our heart and more love we have for him and the more love we have for others. The Bible says this, surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Then you won't be ashamed. You'll be confident and fearless. Your troubles will go away like water beneath a bridge and your darkest night will be brighter than noon. You'll rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. That was God's promise to Job. And that's what we need to stand on. That's what we need to remember. We learn to live in God's love by constantly remembering the way the Lord loves us. You know, we need to daily remind ourselves that we are unconditionally loved by God. Isaiah 54 says, my love for you will never end, says the Lord. Every day we got to wake up and remind ourselves how much God loves us, how deep God loves us, how wide God loves us, that nothing can separate us from God's love. We got to remind ourselves that God loves us despite all the things that we do in our lives. God loves us unconditionally. You didn't act and then God loved. God loved before you ever acted. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to show his great love for us. We need to daily remind ourselves of the unconditional love of God. We also need to daily remind ourselves we're completely accepted by God. The deepest wounds of our lives are the wounds that are caused by rejection. And in Titus 3, it tells us God generously poured out the spirit 
upon us through Christ Jesus our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we'll inherit eternal life. you got to remind yourself every day that God accepts you just as you are. The truth is God accepted Adam and Eve while they were in the garden, before they ate the fruit, and even after, even despite the fact that there were consequences that sin entered the world and they were no longer in the Garden of Eden, and now they had these things that came upon them, God didn't stop loving them or accepting them. He still showed them grace and favor. He still blessed them. He was still present in their lives. We also need to daily remind ourselves that we're totally forgiven by God. We don't need to hold on to the shame or the guilt because we're completely forgiven by the Lord. Romans 8 says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You know, we know that the deception of the devil caused Adam and Eve to sin, but it was his accusation that said, now you should be ashamed. Now you should be in fear. Now you should be in hiding. We need to remind ourselves that God has forgiven us. The Bible says that God takes our sin and he places them as far as the east is from the west. They're out of reach. They never touch again. He says he's blotted our sin completely out of his mind and he remembers them no more. God doesn't see them. He's thrown them into the sea. He's trampled them underfoot. Oftentimes we'll say to, about other people, well, I'll forgive, but I never forget. God forgives and forgets. He eliminates all the sin of our lives. And we got to be reminded because if we allow this cloud over our heads, then it brings this depression. It brings this prison. It makes us difficult to be around. We don't have the freedom that we need in order to experience God's transformation. And we're not the kind of partner that our spouse needs. And that's why we need to allow God to forgive us and to remind ourselves that we've been forgiven. We also need to daily remind ourselves that we're extremely valuable to God. The value of something depends on who owns it and what somebody's willing to pay for it. And the reality is that God paid the price of his only son, Jesus Christ, to forgive you and to liberate you. 1 Corinthians 7 says you've been bought and paid for by Christ's death. In Isaiah 43, the Lord says, man, you're precious in my eyes. You're honored. And the Lord, he says, I love you. You know, God loves you. God's accepted you. God's forgiven you. And you got to walk in that if you want to experience the joy that you have. A lot of times relationships are difficult because of the attitude we bring towards them. And when our attitudes are racked by unforgiveness and shame and fear, and we don't come in walking with freedom, we can't experience all that God has for us in our relationship. And then the last way we learn to live in God's love every day is by offering the same love to others. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Real followers of Jesus love everyone regardless of whether they're liked by them or not or, and, and, they, and whether they like them or not because they've unconditionally been loved by the Lord. Romans 15 says, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Loving other people with the love of the Lord is indeed what transforms us. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, love never stops being patient. Love never stops believing. Love never stops hoping and love never gives up. Every single one of us needs to live in freedom and love and confidence and liberation. Until you've accepted and received God's love for you and you've been transformed by that love, you can't be the kind of person that is successful in a relationship. And until you've allowed that love to get rid of the fears that will destroy you, the fear of being distant, the fear of being exposed, the fear, the, the fear of being exposed that causes that distance, you won't be able to live in all that God has for you. So today, what I really want you to get out of this is, man, I need to receive and accept and to walk in God's love. I need to have that love fill me to a place of overflowing. And then I need to share that love 
with someone else. When you walk in that love, in the fullness of that love, and you're constantly giving that love to someone else, that's when you're positioned to have the kind of relationship that is transformed by God. What transforms our relationships? The love of God. So join with me now as we pray, asking God to fill us with his love and to lead us to share that love with someone else. Heavenly Father, we ask for your love today. We ask that your love would fill us right now in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would overflow with this love and that this love would be directing us to share it with someone else. Let us find the person that we care about the most. Let us give them the love, not just our love, but your love, the unconditional, the accepting, the forgiving, the love of God that overwhelms us. Thank you, Jesus, that your love casts out all fear. Take away our fears, take away our shame, take away our doubts, allow us to walk in your love every single day. We receive your love and move forward showing that love to others today. That's our commitment to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.